Hi, and welcome to the Gamer Get Podcast, a podcast where we get gamers on to talk about the latest game and gaming news with a focus on Japan. This is episode one, and I'm your host, Genki, a passionate gamer living in Japan and tweeting and making videos on Japan and Japanese games. Today, I have a very, very special guest joining me today. Please, can you welcome my man from Japan from psuniverse.com, the games reporter extraordinaire, Ernest Lin. So, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. Thank you so much for that kind intro. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for the very first episode. Yeah, thanks so much for taking your time. Yeah, if you could like just introduce like what you do in general, that'd be cool. Okay. Yeah, sure. So my name is Ernest Lin. I am a senior editor at PlayStation Universe, which is at uh, psu.com. Um, so you know, I I'll write news reviews previews do interviews and stuff um uh, various coverage as well as you know working on the back end with organizational stuff and then you know communications with you know game companies and all that stuff so uh yeah and i am currently living in japan so a lot of my a lot of my coverage focuses on japanese games and even before i came to japan you know i had a strong interest with the japanese games industry so yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's awesome thanks so much yeah that's a really cool job you got there uh, i guess is most of your stuff focused on playstation at your job or do you cover other yeah <laughs> so yeah given given the name yeah it's a pretty playstation focused but for me personally i am mm-hmm. uh, a multi-platform gamer so i've i've had you know playstation xbox nintendo consoles in addition to pc for many many years oh, awesome. uh, so yeah pretty platform agnostic Elastic, i guess yeah. for the most part <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah same here yeah i've always been a fan of all the consoles and tried to get them all if i can whenever possible Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, thanks so much for the introduction. And yeah, now I'd like to go into a section we call the Gamer Origins. And in this part of the podcast, I want to talk to people about their Gamer Origins. Uh, basically, just to find out how they got into video games. And uh, yeah, just to give people a quick background update on how people got into video games. Okay, so yeah, I'm Genki. And uh, yeah, basically... I've been gaming since I was a kid, so I basically got into video games because I was, I'm half Japanese, so my mother's from Japan, and growing up, um, we had a lot of, like, Japanese TV shows and stuff like that, and I also got into Japanese video games through that as well. Um, the first console I ever had was a Super NES, or SNES, as they say in the UK. Uh, yeah, I grew up in London, and, um, yeah, I would play games on the SNES, like, uh, Street Fighter 2 was actually the first game I ever had, and then after that, yeah i got into that nintendo 64 playstation 2 and yeah i've always been interested in games and especially uh, games media as well i used to buy loads of gaming magazines every week uh, play the demos on them and uh, yeah just read loads of them and yes yeah, so i've always been interested in, in games and since i moved to japan it's the perfect place for games so there's games everywhere and uh, yeah i really enjoy the gaming culture so recently i've got into like tweeting about games and covering games on my YouTube channel. So yeah, that's uh, basically how I got into games. Yeah, I just uh, really love talking about games and playing games. Yeah, so uh, Ernest, what about you? How did you get into video games? Let's see, how did I get into video games? You know, I, I was exposed to, to video games through, you know, various ways. You know, I think one way was the daycare I was at had like an old... Sega Genesis, if I recall correctly. Oh, awesome. So yeah, uh, you know, I, that's started me on being uh, 
kind of a pretty much a Sega Sega fan uh, when I was younger. Sega fan. Was this in the U.S.? This was in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so I was yeah, I was born in the U.S. So yeah, this was in the U.S. But I think the the one that really experience that really experienced exposed me a lot to games was like in kindergarten to elementary school my best friend uh who was japanese american uh, she and uh her brother uh were big in the games so they they had a lot of the game consoles and stuff so i'd go over to their house a lot and then play through uh play play a bunch of games and get exposed to games that way uh so i just yeah from there on out uh you know just always had interest in video games just uh, you know, it's just such a interesting medium with uh, the interactive storytelling, the you know the the multiplayer, being able to, to play with people and connect with people that way, and just sort of also the technology side of things and seeing how things have progressed over over the years. So uh, it's always like an exciting exciting world to be a part of. Um, and then I always enjoyed writing, and so mm-hmm. I got into doing some games writing when I was in university. And then that led to, to me joining, eventually joining uh, PlayStation universe. So, um, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Li- lifelong, uh, lifelong games fan. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So how long have you been doing, uh, games journalism for? Oh man. It's probably in, in some sort of capacity, probably about like 10 years, I think. Oh, okay, um, awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's been a while and, you know, I've gotten to to see a, a lot of things and and um, have a lot of experiences. Go a lot of events like E three, Tokyo Game Show, and so on. So um, it, it's it's just always exciting. As you know, <laughs> never fully gets old. So <laughs> that's awesome. And how did you get into like Japan, like in deciding to move to Japan? Ah, uh, yeah. So I mean, I've always had a, an interest in Japan. I probably did start with you know my best my like first best friend that I remember. Uh, being uh, Japanese American, but yeah, I always had an interest in a lot of uh, Japanese culture, uh, including Japanese pop culture, like video games, anime, and so on. Um, and then in university, I did do a minor in Japanese language and culture. Oh, nice! Uh, to to build up, you know, some language skills, have that foundation there. And I also did a uh, I did a homestay when I was in between middle and high school, as well as doing a short summer study abroad when I was a college student. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed both those times I was in Japan and um, wanted to spend more time in Japan and also experience living in Japan, just being able to, to you know, experience more, uh, immerse yourself in the language and culture a lot more. So uh, when the opportunity came i was like okay yeah let's let's do it um nice and you know i was lucky that it was pre pre pre-covid when things i think were a lot easier so so how how long have you been in japan now for then would you say oh man probably like four four or five years yeah i think so you're enjoying it here and you're like comfortable in japan yeah, except uh, in the summer when it's oh, hot. <laughs> humid. Yeah, yeah for... right now it's like super hot and humid in Japan. Right, yeah, for it's like crazy for people yeah. that aren't familiar. Uh, yeah, Japan, uh, Japanese summer is it, it's very, very hot and humid, and this year especially has been uh, particularly bad. It's gone 
hot and humid a lot earlier in the year and it's just continued it kind of hasn't let up we haven't yeah we haven't had a lot of even rainy days recently so uh it's just yeah that's true hot. it's relentless recently the heat right yeah i don't recommend coming to japan in the summer <laughs> yeah probably like the spring is the best time where it's more like cool and chill yeah i think spring and and fall are are really good yeah um yeah, yeah summer is just it's hot it's really hot it's it would probably be I imagine really hard to to get around to doing a lot of things just having to take breaks and rest uh unfortunately summer is where when uh a lot of events are happening <laughs> you know uh especially for for anime and also just festivals and stuff so okay now it's time for the news we'll talk about the latest gaming news from the last few weeks starting with story number one final fantasy 14 comes to xbox the critically acclaimed mmorpg final fantasy 14 online is officially coming to xbox series x and s in spring 2024 boasting 4k support on xbox series x and faster loading times on both consoles with an open with an open beta coming soon that news was from xbox wire and uh, we also got a comment from um, the ceo of square enix and he said as ceo of square enix we want to continue to deliver fabulous games to fans across the world and of course we want to welcome the xbox community as well and starting with today's announcement of final fantasy 14 coming in spring 2024 and whenever possible we are planning to bring our games to xbox for players around the world to enjoy we're really looking forward to working closely with phil and the xbox team to make this possible in response phil spencer said the following thank you kiryu sung we deeply respect the rich legacy of square enix and we look forward to building on the relationship that we have established in bringing final fantasy 14 to the xbox and partnering closely with you and the Square Enix team on future games. We also got a tweet from Phil Spencer, who was at the recent Final Fantasy Festival event in Las Vegas. And he tweeted with a picture of him shaking hands with Yoshida-san and Kiryu-san on stage. And his tweet read, Enjoy being on stage with Yoshi-P and Kiryu-san to announce Final Fantasy XIV coming to Xbox. We're thrilled that the Xbox community will join the Warriors of Light and we look forward to partnering closely with Square Enix on future games. So after a long, long delay and many years of asking and lots of hard work of uh, Phil promising Final Fantasy XIV to come to the Xbox platform, we finally got Final Fantasy XIV being officially announced for Xbox. And uh, this news just came, I think it was just yesterday it was announced and it was quite a big uh, shock for many people on Twitter. And I think it's uh, like really good news for Xbox and um, their relationship with Square Enix. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on the announcement of uh, Final Fantasy XIV finally coming to Xbox. Yeah, I was I was a bit surprised um, because uh, Final Fantasy XIV has been around for for quite some time. Uh, even you know the sort of like relaunch, A Realm Reborn, is, is several several years old now. Um, but I think it's I think it's good news, you know, to have have more players uh, be able to, to join that that world, especially in MMO. Um, you know, it thrives on having a bigger, bigger, uh, player base. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, the Xbox Square Enix relationship moving forward. Um, it's, it's not like it's, it's been non-existent, you know, we've had, uh, 
you know, a number of recent titles like the Crisis Core remaster and and uh, yeah, you know, Deerfield Chronicles, Deerfield Chronicles, Stranger Paradise, Star Ocean, mm-hmm, and all that uh, come to Xbox. So um, you know, I think it's I think it's good. Uh, <laughs> even though I'm on a PlayStation side, I think it's it's great to have have more have games like this uh, to show up on more platforms. So it'll be yeah, again, it'll be really interesting. I think um to see how how the square enix xbox relationship progresses the thing that stood out to me with kiryu san's quotes the square enix ceo was uh you know about uh whenever possible we are planning to bring our games to xbox whenever possible <laughs> right so you know that, that makes me that, that feels a little bit of you know like a, <laughs> a nod to any you know deals you know existing deals you know yeah. with uh you know, because there's definitely been games uh, that Square Enix has has developed or published that have been, you know, sort of exclusive on, say, Sony PlayStation or, or Nintendo mm-hmm. uh, platforms. So, yeah, yeah, I thought that part of his um, response was also really interesting. That whenever possible part, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just like, yeah, what does that mean? And yeah, probably <laughs> as you said, it means like, yeah, they have obviously have existing uh, deals and contracts, ex- like with Final Fantasy um the seven rebirth mm-hmm. uh upcoming and they probably have some other ones that and they have a bunch of games like that are um probably uh have deals with nintendo as well so right. obviously like, those yeah. games won't be coming to xbox but you know as he said mm-hmm. wherever possible they will bring more games to xbox which is a good good thing for uh, i think all of the fans of xbox and square enix games in general yeah it's really good that they can yeah, especially for an um mmorpg to have mm. as big a player base as possible is uh, really good and yeah final fantasy 14 is uh, doing like earning so much money for square enix so if they can broaden the player base it's only a good thing for for square enix and it's also a good thing for xbox um do you think this will help xbox in japan like uh improve their popularity here no i think it will be any kind of difference will be pretty pretty negligible um Mm. i think uh, anyone who has really wanted to play ff14 has found a way to play it uh, uh in japan whether it be you know pc or or on playstation so but you know i think at least for the sort of like the 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 public relations and and sort of yeah yeah going forward right yeah kind of the the, the image uh it's it's really good uh for xbox to have that and and show that they're they're trying and you know building that relationship yeah yeah i totally agree with what you say yeah i doubt it will have a big effect because final fantasy 14 is super popular in japan probably like the most popular final fantasy game at the moment yeah i think those fans already have somewhere to play it either on PC or, or on PlayStation. Uh, you, know, you can play on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. So uh, I doubt it will make much difference, but I think it will help improve the image. And yeah, as you said, the relationship between Xbox and Square Enix was the most important thing that needed attention and improvement. And um, we're seeing that. And yeah, we have to congratulate and uh, give props to Phil Spencer for uh, getting this deal done. Uh, for the xbox platform so yeah thanks Ernest. we'll move on to story number two pikmin 4's amazing launch in japan so pikmin 4 just launched uh last week on july 21st 2023 and it had a really strong first week launch in japan selling 401 
thousand units in its first three days, and this is the best-selling Pikmin game ever in Japan. So we have Pikmin 4's first week sales in Japan were more than the previous three games combined. And this is from BGC. It says Famitsu has published the physical game sales chart for the week ending July 23rd, and Pikmin 4 is at number one with 401,853 copies sold. By comparison, based on archived Famitsu chart information, the first Pikmin sold 101,000 in its first week, Pikmin 2 sold 161,000, and Pikmin 3 sold 92,000 in its first week. So if we add up all the previous Pikmin games, that equals a total of 364,000 Pikmin games sold in total, compared to Pikmin's full launch in Japan of 401,000 units. So that's a really big improvement on the previous Pikmin games in Japan. Yeah, this is counting physical games only sold in Japan. Um, so yeah, Ernest, what do you think of uh, the successful launch of Pikmin in Japan? I think, I think it's great. Um, Pikmin uh, has always been kind of a very unique franchise for Nintendo. Um, it's not, I, I'm not personally a big fan, but uh, I have friends that have really enjoyed the, the Pikmin series. And, you know, I think the launch came at a pretty good time in terms of release schedule. You know, it's been a while since uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And even, you know, if we're looking at gaming as a whole, the, you know, Final Fantasy 16 has been out for a while. So it kind of hit a good spot where there's not a lot of competition for its re during its release time. And I also noticed that there was a lot of promotion. Oh, okay. You, you saw stuff. Yeah, I did see, you know, see stuff. That's cool. Um, you know, I wasn't here during the promotions for like the, the old oh, the thing they wanted yeah, to, yeah. but um, it did seem like there was a lot of various promotion, you know, um, at the Nintendo store in Tokyo, seeing a Pikmin section with, with new sort of Pikmin merch and goods there, making it visible that way. And then also they had a collab uh, sort of campaign at the Family Mart chain of yeah, I saw that. Um, convenience stores. Yeah. So they had, um, you know, they had some food that was uh, Pikmin uh sort of pikmin inspired or pikmin uh with pikmin designs on it uh so various like sandwiches and and sweets and then um they had like a file folder campaign where if you bought some hagen dos ice cream products then you got a free plastic file folder uh i think there was like a like a bottle cap also campaign for if you bought certain uh bottled drinks so um, yeah, I saw a lot of promotion in, for Pikmin 4, and yeah, I think between the promotion and sort of the timing of the release, as well as it just being a really good game from the looks of it, just, mm. you know, all of that culminating to really, really good conditions for its launch. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw some um, ads, yeah, like in the Nintendo store, as you said. Yeah, mm. I think Nintendo really pushed this and like yeah, their marketing budget, I think has gone up compared to previous releases. Yeah, it feels like it, yeah. Yeah, I think it's mainly due to the, like, the success of the Switch. Like the Switch is just crazy popular and like dominating in Japan. And <laughs> that just translates to these like super crazy sales that we're getting for Nintendo first party games in Japan at the moment. Yeah, I think it's quite crazy. Yeah, and, and like you said, you saw the marketing 
I think I think everyone must have noticed like the marketing in some way of Pikmin. And if you go on the like Yamanote line in Japan, it's like uh, the Nintendo advertising line. They have like posters and like on inside the trains on the on the TVs and the trains, they always play Nintendo ads. So like I did see those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I call the Yamanote line like the Nintendo advertising line because there's always Nintendo ads <laughs> on it on the Yamanote line whenever you ride it. <laughs> and like right. if you go like to Shibuya or Shinjuku, you see the posters as well. So yeah, I think Nintendo really pushed uh with the marketing in Japan for Pikmin 4. And yeah, it paid off with the, the highest sales ever for the series and uh yeah i think there's this thing called the switch effect uh i like to credit player essence of that from youtube <laughs> uh he talks about the play- the switch effect which is whenever nintendo release uh an, a new game or like a new version of a older series it always has the best sales of the series on the switch so if we talk about like games like fire emblem the best-selling fire emblem is on the switch uh, if you're talking about games like Luigi's Mansion, the best-selling one is on the Switch. And like all these other, like Kirby, the best-selling Kirby game is on the Switch. Best-selling Zelda game is on the Switch. And like this is kind of like the Switch effect. You release any new version of a first-party game and it will be like the best-selling on the Switch. That's how crazy the Switch sales are, and especially in Japan. Yeah, it seems like everyone and their 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 parents and you know even grandparents and just everybody seems to have a switch <laughs> you see it all the yeah. time you know <laughs> uh yeah i'm a fan of the pikmin series i played all the mainline ones um but i haven't got pikmin 4 yet i'll pick up later i'm still like playing final fantasy <laughs> and some other games um so but once i'm done with that i'm definitely going to pick up pikmin 4 and yeah i'm really happy the series is doing well so great news to hear. Okay, so moving on to story number three. This is Sony announces the PlayStation 5 sales have hit 40 million units worldwide since launch. And this is from PlayStation Universe. You might be familiar with this yeah. site. <laughs> and the story is from Michael Harrods. It says PlayStation 5 sales have reached 40 million units globally since launch in November 2020. Sony Interactive Entertainment announced today. For comparison, the PlayStation 4 reached 40 million milestone in 30 months and 6 days, with the PlayStation 5 hitting it in 32 months and 15 days. However, you have to remember that Sony's latest console was plagued by major stock shortages for over 18 months before things settled down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, we also got a comment from... Uh, Jim Ryan, um, who thanked the supporters, and uh, he said, With the support of PlayStation fans, we have reached the milestone of 40 million PS5 consoles sold through to gamers since launch. Thank you so much to our community of gamers. Without you, this would have been an impossible task. That was from Jim Ryan. So the PlayStation 5 has reached 40 million units sold already, and it's selling quite well. What do you think about the sales momentum of the PS5 so far. Well, it's great. It's it's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's great, great for gamers. Uh, oh, great for yeah, PlayStation great, fans. Great for PlayStation. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's always great to to see you know platforms um, be you know be successful and and um, you know it's it's a it's astounding landmark really. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I you know I think it would probably have been reached this milestone maybe just as fast if not faster than the ps4 had it not dealt with all the the stock shortages due to covid19 
uh, messing with the the supply chain and um, chip shortages and, and such. So, um, yeah, it's going to be good, good for PlayStation. Um, you know, I, it's kind of to go back to like the switch effect. You got to have that that install base to really mm-hmm. uh, have success with with the games, with the software, with the services. So, um, you know, PlayStation's in a really, really good spot. Um, I just, you know, of course it all, for me, it always boils down to the game. So looking forward to, to more, seeing more, uh, more games on the, the console moving forward. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing that with the PlayStation 5 selling so well worldwide, especially for game fans and, uh, yeah, fans of, uh, gaming in general. So that's really great to see. And yeah. I guess it's good for like PlayStation websites as well if uh, <laughs> right. their, cons- yeah. their user I, bases are growing. <laughs> right. Um, I, I do think it's you know interesting to also think about this news in the context of the price hike <laughs> that mm. the PlayStation Five got in many countries and territories. You know the yeah. fact that it was able to to reach this milestone despite having a very rare instance in in sort of like the console space which is a a console's price getting bumped up increasing uh during uh, during its lifetime uh you know usually it's just a downward trend but because of you know inflation and and such um we saw that happen unfortunately yeah yeah i think yeah it's quite a rare occurrence that the prices will go up like this so but they still manage to maintain really high sales so mm-hmm. that's encouraging for playstation but uh, 40 million is super impressive sales and um do you think they'll reach 100 is that a given in your opinion to reach 100 million million um i mean i i think i guess it could be in the realm of possibility yeah I think I think so. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think so too. Because PlayStation Four reached, I think, it was like a hundred and seventeen ish mm-hmm. million. So yeah, I definitely think the PlayStation Five will at least get to one hundred, which would uh, which would be impressive for a console which is uh, this price at the moment. But to see, and uh, yeah, in Japan, the numbers are it's like only a couple thousand away from four million units. So that's also quite impressive for Japan. Um, mm, yeah. So even though the software sales are not so great, but uh, at least the the hardware sales is going to be almost four million, probably four million by next week nice. in, in Japan, mm. which is good to see. Okay, so moving on to story number four, we had uh, some more details or some leaks from the PlayStation Project Q handheld. First, we had this tweet from um, Zuby Tech, which is at Zuby underscore Tech. Um, follow him if you're a PlayStation fan. He has uh, lots of info about PlayStation. Amazing play- PlayStation-centric uh, Twitter account. Um, but he posted this uh, footage of um, the PlayStation PS5 Project Q handheld. And it seems to be running on uh, some kind of Android uh, operating system or something like that. And it's quite cool seeing it in action, even though the footage is like um, just some offhand footage. and. Uh, but it just showed the PlayStation Project Q uh, working. And yeah, I think it's quite an interesting concept to have this remote play device. Um, yeah, if Anis, what do you think about 
like the just the project queue in general uh, as like a product. Uh, what's your opinions on the project queue? I can't say that I'm personally looking uh, forward to it, but I can see I can see situations uh, where it would be you know somebody would find it useful. Um, you know, for like it makes me think of how in a lot of Japanese homes there tends to be only one TV, uh, mainly in the living room. Um, and you know, in, in other countries, if you just have a only one TV in your household, yeah, then it can be hard getting screen time. So, um, having this as an option to be able to to play your PS5 or P, I guess also PS4 games um, remotely away from uh, the main you know TV in your house is a interesting option. Um, it's not going to be cheap. It sounds like I think it's rumored to be what around maybe mm, the three hundred dollar yeah. range. So yeah. that's that's a high, that's a pretty high ask, I think. Um, so I I'm kind of having mixed. Uh, I'm not entirely optimistic about how the the sales potential will be. Um, I'm also curious to see how the durability is. Um, you know, there has been the issue with the PlayStation 5 DualSense controller analog sticks experiencing uh, stick drift, um, having that happen. And it looks from this this leaked video, based on this leaked video, the, the controller portion of this Project Q device seemed to be kind of, uh, uh, you know, irreplaceable, like not irreplaceable, you know, um, Right, so just kind of like permanently built, attached, permanently attached, yeah, just all in in one piece. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to see see them go with the modular uh, joystick, um, joystick. Oh, like you can slide uh, them in, like the Joy Cons, yeah. Yeah, either either like the yeah, either like the Joy Cons, which oh, or you like know, the, on the um, Switch, or the edge, like the, the Edge controller. You can yeah, I was thinking of like the DualSense Edge, where you have the oh, okay. replaceable yeah, yeah. joystick modules, so. In the event that there's any any problem with the the analog sticks, you can easily switch them out. Um, so it's yeah, if that that'll be like something I'm hesitant about uh, for people buying it is you know how's the durability going to be, especially for a device that is as much as a switch, right? <laughs> and yeah. you know, uh, half or half or more the cost of the the PS5 itself, depending on what model you're getting and you know the price in your country so um yeah well we'll see i think it's it would have been nice uh i think a lot of people myself included would have liked it to have been its own standalone um handheld similar to the psp or you know accessor to to the psp ps vita um but well we'll see how about how about you what do you think of the the project q um I think it's a like a yeah it's it's a tough one because like the use usage cases for it are really like limited in my opinion as it's mm-hmm. an only like on a remote player device for me personally it would suit my lifestyle because yeah I only have like one TV in my house and my house is like typical Japanese not so big size mm. <laughs> and I have family I also live with so um yeah it for me for for me like the uses cases would fit 
um, like my lifestyle like I could just play it in other rooms in my house um, but generally speaking like um, just because that has you have to have a PlayStation 5 in the first place to be able to play it that's like a big prohibitor towards it like uh, really selling well in terms of like is this going to cost too much you have to buy a PlayStation 5 then this extra $300 plus or around $300 peripheral yeah I think it's just just too much uh yeah so i don't think it'll be a mainstream i think it'll be more like a niche product um mm-hmm. but i'm interested to check it out as long as it doesn't cost more than 300 dollars. if it costs anything more than 300 dollars, like i i would i can't see myself picking this up at all but if it's under then i would like to give it a try um and i think it would be cool like i like playing like games like theater rhythm like games mm-hmm. that are not too like graphically intense or like if you play like FIFA or something, you just want to get a game in uh, somewhere around the house, like uh, you don't have to sit in front of your TV to uh, to play. Then I think those use cases, like you can play in bed and stuff, those usage cases would uh, suit me. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a tough one. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would have preferred a, a dedicated handheld as well. Um, even though it's tough for Sony to develop like handheld only games because like they're already finding it hard to support the PSVR 2 so to have another third you know platform in your wheelhouse to develop games for I think it'll be too tough for them Um, Mm -hmm. but hopefully when we get to the time where PS5 games or PlayStation console games and handheld games can be like a similar level then I think they should go for like the hybrids uh, or just go make a dedicated handheld then so they don't have to share development resources and they can just put the games out on both even if the handheld one is like a lower res version mm-hmm. i think that would be cool like if they could do that like a lower pc setting version kind of thing right. i think that would be good yeah i think the other i guess the other concern or thing i'm interested to see is how well the that streaming remote play um works uh on on the device you know um i don't know if you've had much experience using remote play but i i found it usually works well enough but you know not not quite as responsive as i'd like and then other times you know depending on the internet connection environments it can it can have some stumbles and not work quite perfectly so like a lot of lag okay yeah. So, you know, it's entirely, re- you know, like you said, it's entirely relying on the the re- that remote play function. You know, it's not a dedicated handheld, so um, and it really needs to to na- nail that part of its function. Yeah, it definitely needs to nail down the remote play and the latency. I can't. Uh, I really can't imagine it not being. That would be such a like a bad flop of a product <laughs> if it's like right. really laggy and like. Yeah, it's like straight in the bin. But hopefully it's uh, it performs well with the remote play at least. And um, do you think it will do anything for the Japanese market? Because um, as many people recognize, the Japanese market is very handheld um, focused. Uh, do you think it will do anything uh, for the Jap- Japanese market for PlayStation? I, I think the, it, the price point is what sort of hampers the effect it could have on ps5 sales in japan um you know again it's if if this is going to be 300 dollars, i could see the japanese price being forty thousand to fifty thousand yen maybe 
I would say Ouch. I would expect like forty thousand yeah. just because of how Sony has started pricing marked up things. Yeah. Marked up, yeah the the price of of uh, various PlayStation hardware and accessories here in Japan due to yeah. the, even the like the PSVR two is ridiculously priced in Japan. It's very expensive. Yeah, yeah the PSVR two was really expensive. The DualSense Edge saw. Like, yeah, they um, they do mark it up to match the dollar, and mm-hmm. the, and the yen is super weak, so like it, it's it hurts for Japanese right. consumers. Right. So you know if you know right now, let's say let's say theoretically you have somebody trying to get into to have that full PS5 Project Q setup, they'd spend you know if they're buying it the disc version of the PS5, that's about sixty thousand yen after sales tax. And then this accessory, let's say it's forty thousand. You know, that's oh my gosh, that's a hundred thousand yen. That's you know, like a thousand dollars to a Japanese person. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of money to spend on just you know. um, And if they're trying to decide between that or you know the Switch, which you know has is very uh, a lot cheaper. You know, like the standard Switch is a third of that. um, You know, more third of the price. Yeah, less than a third of the price, and then switch light is even cheaper so uh it's it's a tough sell <laughs> and it actually works portably right right yeah it works portably so you can play it while you're commuting and you know, traveling out on the train so it's it's a tough i think it's, it's a, a tough, tough sale especially yeah. with how the pricing is likely going to be yeah it's you know i i think as a concept it's it would it would work well in a lot of yeah like i mentioned with the japanese homes being a lot of times having one screen and being able to play your games without having to take up the the family room TV, but yeah, just that that price is <laughs> it's it's too hard yeah. to swallow. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it comes in at like uh, thirty thousand yen or something. Mm-hmm. Like someone, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. Please, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> yeah, is if your mind is like same as price as the PS Five almost or like. Uh, mm-hmm. at the launch right, at least, the, yeah, the digital right. version at least the digital yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah that would be crazy so moving on to story number five square enix says that final fantasy 16 cells are extremely strong and uh, we got this from an article from ign by wesley yin paul um yeah so basically ign asked square enix about the sales of final fantasy 16 in response to a bloomberg article that was pointing out the um, maybe like the poor sales of Final Fantasy 16. Um, I think the article is mainly talking about Japan, but um, yeah, they also they addressed the issue talking about the global sales. And um, Square Enix responded with this statement: With 38 million PS5 consoles shipped globally as of March 31st, 2023, sales of Final Fantasy 16 surpassed 3 million units worldwide several days after its release on June 22nd, 2023, Square Enix said. Taking into consideration the sales figures of the acclaimed Final Fantasy VII Remake and the difference in size of the install base of the PlayStation 4 at the time of this title's release, we can see that the attach rate of Final Fantasy XVI is considerably high given the PS5 install base. Square Enix considers the initial sales results of Final Fantasy 16 to be extremely strong and we will continue to carry out a wide range of initiatives to encourage even more people to play the game. So Ernest, what do you think about the sales of uh, Final Fantasy 16 uh, globally 
3 million. And we got some reports from Bloomberg that weren't so impressed with those sales. Um, what do you think overall? I think I think it's a I think it's quite a success um, for Square Enix, and you know it it is still just the beginning. Um, you know, I could see the the game continuing to sell throughout the year, especially you know uh, with the pace of uh, you know new PS5 sales. You know, we'll see a lot of people. You know, we'll continue to see a lot of people buy PS get their first PS5. Um, throughout this year, especially later in the year during the holidays. And, you know, Sony themselves are releasing uh, first party game Spider-Man 2, which a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know, really looking forward to. And, and I think that for some people that is a console seller because of how how beloved and how awesome the, the first one was and and Spidey 2 being exclusive. So I think I think it'll um continue i think final fantasy 16 still has has some room to to sell and continue and i i'm you know i'm a, i haven't finished the game but I'm, I'm quite a fan of it as i know you are um so i do i do hope they can they can continue uh seeing success with it and um you know it's a it's a franchise that i've i've loved for for a while and you know i'd like to see see it continue and and it's, you know, it's always been, it's always been kind of an event whenever you have a mainline entry, and seeing it how it pushes pushes the envelope uh, technologically and and gameplay wise and how it's changed. So, um, yeah, I, I I hope you know that it, it continues continues selling strongly. It's it's probably not like the the huge runaway success some uh, analysts and and. And people wanted, but um, I, I think it's it's still very solid. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely think um, Final Fantasy 16 sold well. Um, you know, there is that caveat like of the PlayStation 5 install base. So like, yeah, with that 38 million at the time of release uh, install base, it was probably around closer to 39 or 40, or mm -hmm. just recently reached 40 million. Um, but mm -hmm. still, like three million units uh, from that install base is quite impressive considering the smaller install base compared to the Final Fantasy 7 remake or Final Fantasy 15 so I think it did okay but yeah as you said like yeah especially like in Japan it was not like the like runaway success that uh, many people hoped it would be and yeah I hoped it would help you know push on the PlayStation market in Japan a bit more but I don't think it did I think it's all okay and like those people that were interested bought the ps5 in, in in anticipation of the game and mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't think that it's going to like change the uh like software sales in japan for playstation overall um but yeah i think in terms of globally i think it did uh decently right i think yeah it did decently and i think you know in addition to the the factor of the ps4 install base i think it's a it can be a little bit uh unfair to directly compare it to final fantasy remake because final fantasy 7 remake is kind of it's kind of connected it's it's part of a existing i guess you would say sub franchise mm -hmm. yeah basically final fantasy 7 is like its own franchise now it, it really yeah it really has been for many decades and it's it's such yeah. a, a famous and you know really loved final fantasy 7 entry and now yeah basically franchise that you know 
Final Fantasy 16. Yes, it's part of the Final Fantasy franchise, but it's just, you know, it's a, it's the first entry in its sort of, you know, series, uh, you know, sub sub series, if you want to call it, you know. So it's not it's not a sequel. It's not part of an existing Final Fantasy sort of game world. And what do you think about like the Final Fantasy uh, series in Japan? Like, uh, I tell a lot of people like. Dragon Quest is way, way more popular than Final Fantasy in Japan. Uh, and like some hmm. Western people don't realize it because Final Fantasy is just so popular compared to other Square Enix games. But in Japan, it's kind of the opposite, like where uh, Dragon Quest is so much more popular. Um, what, what do you think about uh, the Final Fantasy series in Japan? Right. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, that's the the impression I've gotten just from like personal anecdotes. Uh talking with with people who are gamers in Japan as well as just you know you can look at sales data right that Dragon Quest pulls in a lot um and is really successful um i think final fantasy is still really well known and really respected and and regarded um in Japan uh just it does feel like it has uh i don't know like a it caters more towards the more like kind of the more hardcore or mat- mature audience uh, a little bit more than than Dragon Quest. I think casts its net wider with its demographics. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially with the aesthetic and the design. I think especially yeah, yeah with that aesthetic and art design, right, right. That Dragon Quest can appeal yeah. to. You have to say like the Toriyama. Uh, design is very like universal at this point, you know, with like oh Rainbow right right and, uh, <laughs> and uh, all the other things. Yeah, right. So, yeah. yeah, you you it's see a really... you see a Toriyama character design, you know it. Like you instantly be like you be like, okay, that's yeah, that's Toriyama. So, <laughs> oh, will you be checking out the Sandman? The, the movie right from uh, the movie. I'm I'm interested. Yeah, um, and the game. And the game, yeah, right, right, and the, and the game, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Um, the the movie is kind of that. Uh, it's, it's like CG, uh, you know, but it's like yeah. cel shaded two D looking CG, which I, you know, has has you know r- had mixed results with with some other with other projects, but um, it looks it looks interesting. It looks fun. Yeah, I'm, I'd like to check it out. And yeah, oh, I'm also looking forward to Spider-Man too, as you mentioned. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that one's going to be good. I predict mm-hmm. it's going to sell like five million in like the first week, or probably like even sooner. But at least the first week, I think it will do five million, and mm-hmm. uh, probably yeah, what like be the Sony's fastest selling, maybe or God of War is the fastest selling now. I think at, at around five point mm-hmm. one or something, five million. Um, but I think it has a good chance to beat God of War. Right, I think it has a very strong chance, you know. Um, it has just that franchise and wider appeal, so yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Do you think it will sell well in Japan, the Spider-Man 2? I think it will, but again, it's the, the limitation being the PS5 install base, right? Um, so, but I, I think it will sell. I think it will sell well, uh, yeah. So story number seven, Microsoft and Sony sign a binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. 
And this is coming from PlayStation Universe from Michael Haradance. Xbox boss Phil Spencer has announced that Microsoft and Sony have inked a binding agreement to keep the Call of Duty franchise on PlayStation following Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Phil Spencer posted on his Twitter account the following. We are pleased to announce that Microsoft and PlayStation have signed a binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation following the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We look forward to a future where players globally have more choice to play their favorite games. And it was also announced that um, this deal is likely to be another 10-year deal um, that Microsoft are giving to PlayStation to keep Call of Duty on their platform. Ernest, what do you think about this new deal? PlayStation have uh, finally uh, signed the deal with uh, Microsoft. What do you think about this new deal? I think it's really telling of sort of um, what the higher ups at at Sony PlayStation must be uh, thinking or anticipating regarding the acquisition going through, you know, because for, for, the the longest time up until this they they were fighting it very strongly yeah yeah (laughs) really uh very strongly like tooth and nail uh fighting against this acquisition so the fact that you know it it appears like they you know caved in and and signed this agreement um to to ensure call of duty stays on playstation for for the near future um it's it's really telling um where where they see the acquisition process going yeah 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 i definitely think it will go through as well now that's what it looks like and yeah as you said this is a big sign that yeah playstation probably also feel that it's going to go through by signing this deal personally i don't play so many activision blizzard games um so this news doesn't really affect me personally but in terms of the industry it's like a big story and um yeah in terms of uh yeah the only thing i would hope for is like i wish one thing that comes out of this deal i hope um that the tony hawks games get rebooted again and i'd ah. love to see tony hawks three and four like i played tony hawks one and two the remake and it mm-hmm. was super super good like um the only yeah. <laughs> the only beef i had with it is like the platinum trophy is like you have to play the game for like 70 hours like Oh. Like the game only takes like forty out like thirty to forty hours to beat, but then they want you to play another like thirty or forty hours like online to get the last trophies and like yeah I couldn't do that, <laughs> but otherwise like the game was super good and uh, I was really sad that um I think it was Vicarious Visions that made it they got made into mm. a COD Call of Duty team, uh so that they got they got like um shifted to to just make COD which is sad to see. Um, but I hope um, by Microsoft buying them, they can free them up to work on Tony Hawks again somehow. But yeah, in terms of Japan, I don't think this will affect Japan much because, um, yeah, I don't think Activision Blizzard games are that popular in Japan. Like Call of Duty, like first-person shooters generally are not that popular in Japan. Um, do you think this will have any effect on Japan? Not not so much. There, There is, you know, there is a, you know, a sizable fan base for Call of Duty in Japan, but it's nowhere near the, the powerhouse and, and, and cultural influence that it is in, in North America and Europe. So, you know, I think, I think the kind of the, the bigger, uh, sort of the bigger concern or idea with this is how 
uh, how things will look going for, for, uh, forward in terms of uh, more acquisitions and, and stuff. You know, it's, it sets a big, a big precedent that we can have such a big deal happen. And I think it's going to be interesting to see more, more so the after effects and what kind of precedent, uh, what things happen uh, as a result of this. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Once you let a um, $69 billion deal go through, then it's it's hard to say no to other deals, right? Right, right, right. It's, yeah, that, that precedent it sets. So. Do you think the, um, we'll see like Japanese publishers getting bought or you think it's uh, not realistic? I wouldn't, uh, I don't know if it's entirely out of the question, I'm, but I think it's, it would be very hard. I'm, I wouldn't be you know, I wouldn't be betting on seeing that happen. Yeah, I would say the same, like, because it's quite rare to see such big acquisitions. Maybe you'll see, like, some um, companies buying smaller companies or other smaller studios. But in mm. terms of, like, really big acquisitions, even in, like, other industries, it's quite uncommon in Japan to see, like, a big conglomeration buying another one. Um, so I wouldn't expect that even, like, for Sony or Nintendo mm -hmm. or, or anyone yeah so until it until there is a president like i personally i'm not thinking or expecting it yeah but maybe it will happen one day who knows but uh, until then i i wouldn't expect it personally moving on to story number eight the final story capcom announces amazing results capcom on track to achieve 11 consecutive years of full year operating profit growth following consolidated results for the three months ended june 30th 2023 and this was announced from the Capcom uh, website in a PR statement. And they said that their net sales were up 74%, whilst operating income was up 99%, and their ordinary income was up 102%. Uh, so that's all their figures going up. And they also announced that 13.5 million units of software were sold in the last quarter, and that was an increase of 15%. They said that the sales and profit growth was driven primarily by major new titles and digital sales. And even the stock went up a lot in trading in the recent weeks. And especially after they also announced the Monster Hunter Now game, which is like the Pokemon Go Monster Hunter game. Yeah, so what do you think of those um, really impressive results from Capcom? And their stock is just going through the roof at the moment. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, Capcom, they've, they've really you know, turn, turn things around. I think they were, it seemed like they were having a little bit of trouble during that, the Xbox 360 PlayStation three era, you know, yeah. um, they, they had some, some stumbles and, and some, uh, some games that weren't really successes, but I, I think they really, uh, have turned things around starting some, starting during the, the PS4 generation. And now they're, it seems like they really found their groove. They're, you know, they're really uh, producing a lot of great and high quality uh, games, you know, in recent years. So, I, you know, I can, I can only see them continuing having a lot of success. You know, they've got Street Fighter Six, and then you know, a future those those Resident Evil remakes are are great stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, really they really this. knocked it out of the park with those, and then. Yeah. You know, even the the newer entries in Resident Evil have been have been really good. So, yeah, they're they're they've really found 
you know, found their footing. And yeah, I'm I'm happy for that. I love seeing, uh, you know, Japanese developers having that kind of success and and finding their their audience. Yeah, it seems like they got a really tight ship running and like a really like lean operation. And mm-hmm. like they just keep on pumping out these like really high quality games and you know that the re engine is making things look really amazing and run amazing and it just seems they just got like a really good like formula or like yeah like structure just to keep uh releasing hits so yeah it's really impressive to see them doing so well especially yeah, as you said coming from that playstation 3 era where mm-hmm. they were kind of struggling to like move over to like hd development and you know like focus on like their like like the heart and soul of their games maybe mm-hmm. they were like trying to reach out to the too much to like the west or something and not really doing things on their own initiative like yeah they like outsourced the job may cry to like ninja theory and uh yeah they had some other you know even though resident evil 6 sold quite well you know critically it was not really received that well so yeah they they've come a long way since those days mm-hmm. right right yeah i remember that that ps3 era they had some games they released that were really quite rough like um dark void and like oh. remember me and some other ones and even you know even the later lost planet games weren't doing so they yeah they really steered the ship right yeah and uh, we also got a report from takashi mochizuki on Twitter, he's he was at the, I think he was at the Capcom investors call, and uh, he said that Capcom said they have plans to release one announced game, which would sell millions by March next year. And Ernest, I would like to ask you, what do you think this game could be? Uh, this uh, one unannounced game that oh. will sell millions by March next year. So it's mm, between now and March it will be releasing. Okay, between <laughs> now. In March, um, it could be another Resident Evil uh, remake. Oh, it could right? be maybe. Yeah, yeah, because there's there's been a I think what is it? Code I think Code Veronica's been the one in the rumor mm. mill in, in recent yeah uh, yeah recent times. So um, yeah, there are being rumors of a Code Veronica getting a remake. Right. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, that... If they could get out that fast, though, that would be quite impressive. Like under a year from um, yeah. Right. Then get from um, RE4 remake. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's possible that they they had a separate team from the RE4 remake working on the Code Veronica remake. You know, that could that could be a possibility. Um, it feels a little too. It would feel a little too, re, maybe a little too fast for a new uh, console Monster Hunter, considering that there's they've still been releasing uh, expansions, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I believe for that. For yeah. that game, I think uh, they could Monster do a world. world. We yeah. are do a world, and it was um, mm. Monster Hunter World Two, and it was in the leak, like the Nvidia mm. leak. So I guess people are expecting that as well. Okay. So, yeah. We, so probably possible. that, or hopefully yeah. like a Resident Evil remake, like Code Veronica. I don't think it'll be Pragmata <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I don't think it'll be Pragmata. Mm, I think that yeah, I, I think they, they still yeah they still need development time and i think i think capcom is uh smart and wise enough to to give uh projects the ample amount of time mm-hmm. to really yeah, definitely. You know, get you get it you know get it in a good shape thanks for that Ernest. so that was the news for this episode uh, next segment we'll be moving on to what have we been playing so for me i've been playing final fantasy 16 uh, recently and yeah i'm still playing it and yeah, i'm really enjoying it 
Uh, it's been like an amazing experience so far, like super hype. And like, yeah, as um, Yoshi P said, it really is like a roller coaster. Uh, like the super highs you get from these mega kaiju, mega epic kaiju icon battles. And there's kind of these lows where you're doing these repetitive and can get quite monotonous side quests where you're like picking up soil or going over and like collecting some flowers then bringing them back. Um, yeah, those can get pretty dry but the highs are super high and yeah it really is a roller coaster and the story is great and i really enjoy the combat yeah the gameplay as well um yeah we won't talk about any spoilers but uh, i know ernest you've been playing it too and uh yeah i was just like did you enjoy it as well the final fantasy 16. yeah so yeah so far i've been enjoying it um probably not as far into it as, as you are but yeah thus far it's it's I, i've been really really uh intrigued by it and, and enjoying the the story especially i think i think uh final fantasy games really uh really uh re- uh, rely a lot on their on their story their world and characters and i think in that regard uh 16 is is really really cool um and yeah i, I enjoyed the combat um yeah there there are some uneven and and slower parts but um just the world and the the story is enough to have kept me engaged and i look forward to to playing playing through the rest of it oh yeah i really enjoyed the story too and the voice acting as well because i'm from originally from britain like and i can recognize all the accents and they're like really genuine uh acts like british accents and like they're also regional as well like they have accents from all over like up and down the uk like really like Cockney London accents to like more Northern, like um, Geordie, like that's from like Newcastle accents to more like uh, Middle England, like Sheffield, those kind of accents as well. So you can really hear like a really diverse variety of like British accents. And that's quite impressive. And I just enjoyed, that brought like an extra level of enjoyment to me, just feeling like a bit of, oh, I recognize these accents. like uh like as a british person or as a person who grew up in britain uh yeah i thought that was really cool and i thought yeah the the level of voice acting in 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 final fantasy 16 is super high and super good and uh yeah i think they really did well and yeah it's quite a rare like because this is the first final fantasy game where the voice acting it was mainly done in english and then uh based on the english performances they recorded the japanese voices so yeah that's like another sign like they're trying to appeal to the west with this final fantasy game but i thought the voice acting was really on point and like super good yeah uh did you enjoy the the accents or uh did they just sound like british people yeah i you know (laughs) i i can tell the difference between some of them but you know it, it is Oh, there are like there are a few words in there that like are like they just throw out some really weird words. Like, <laughs> some of them I even I don't understand. Okay, yeah, I I mean, I I guess initially you know before the game released I was I was a little hesitant on 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 how the the voice performances would work out if it would come across as you know if it wouldn't fit quite right or or be like overly operatic operatic but i think i think it fits well and i i i think the performance are, are like as you said are really good yeah they they have quite a, a cast uh that did the english voice acting for 16. yeah yeah it's yeah it's super good the voice acting mm-hmm. and yeah another thing i enjoyed in the game was uh 
the combat yeah i really like the combat it's it can be quite simple and yeah the game can be quite easy but there are a few tough bosses that i did die against a lot um but yeah, when you die it is quite uh, lenient as in like uh, when it restarts you you get all your potions filled up um so yeah it's once you die it's like you can go back to the battle quite easily and defeat the boss so it's not too difficult a game uh, even though i did die a few times um uh before complete completing it but yeah I, I enjoyed the combat overall and i thought it was quite like flashy and uh mm-hmm. quite um yeah, it's not too difficult well, what did you make of the combat in final fantasy 16 did you did you enjoy it yeah i've been yeah i've been i've been enjoying the combat quite quite a lot um yeah it's really really engaging um i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of turn-based uh combat so for me, uh, this is the action, <laughs> right? I, I prefer action RPG. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that it's for me personally, that it's a action RPG and right. It's, it's really, uh, it's really responsive and satisfying, uh, the combat. And, um, yeah, I never have quite had a moment where I've been like super frustrated that it wasn't fair, you know, um, yeah, it's just been, you know, really easy to to pick up and learn, and everything feels responsive and, and fair. So, um, yeah, so far, really, really liking the the combat. Um, I know some people uh, have said they they wish there was a little more like RPG elements, um, and I could see that. But um, you know, I think it having this this style of gameplay, it really does make it really uh interesting engaging and and allows a lot of people to to jump in and and experience the story you know um and i think it helps with with the sort of the pacing and uh of the game and and keeping your your interest because yeah you do have the, the story is can be can be a little bit slow at times kind of a slow burn um so, you know, once you get through some of those story parts and then being able to like hop into combat and have that that frenetic pace and you know, have it, you know, on your toes and and have that action and especially, you know, those the big kaiju style, you know, summon battles are just this awesome spectacle that you just <laughs> you just <laughs> see and it looks, you know, having having the the power of modern day consoles is just it looks gorgeous <laughs> this game it's really oh, pretty yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah very pretty right i so. still need to upgrade mm. to the oled tv to like, get the full beauty but mm. even on my mm. small tv it's looking amazing yeah it's it's a beautiful game yeah yeah absolutely and yeah the only thing um yeah overall it's like yeah super amazing as you said the only gripes i had was like yeah as you said like some of the side quests can get a bit dry and repetitive. Um, but mm. at the end of the game, there are a lot of side quests that offer a lot of cool, really, um, really, really good insights into the lore and the world and the, some really good stories in the side quests. But a lot of the side quests are just um, like fetch quests and mm. they can get quite dry. Like, like there's a lot of talking and then you just go fetch something and bring it back and they can get a bit dry. So that mm-hmm. would be my only gripe with the game is the side quests and uh, maybe if you could view the items in the menu because like when you equip the new sword you can't really look at like look at what it looks like you just see like this little illustration in the menu and then you can't actually see it until you like you equipped it and then you can see it on your back 
maybe if they could like in the final fantasy 7 remake you could in the menu you could like have a good look at the weapons right like, and what like diff- how they differentiate in the design but here there's like this little tiny illustration in the item menu and it, you can't really see like what the item looks like so maybe they could uh, fix those but those are my only gripes with the game but overall it's been really fun and i'm still playing it uh going through my second play for through at the moment so um Ernest, what have you been playing uh of, you obviously talked about final fantasy 16 uh, has there been anything else you want to talk about that you played recently um i i, I like to play multiplayer stuff as well and uh my my main one has been fortnite <laughs> I I do enjoy um playing through Fortnite and I you know I I think it I I really appreciate how well Epic Games has supported it and really really they they're a great example of how to do games as a service really well and continually continuing to to build on it and evolve the gameplay in the in the world for a for a games as a service title um so i've um, always i've been enjoying fortnite for many years um and it's it's for me it's just the it's kind of falls into the a pro for a game like splatoon where it's it's a pretty it's a more relaxing multiplayer game <laughs> you know i i enjoy call of duty as well um i'm a big fan of call of duty but um it gets stressful, I guess. It can get really intense. You know, you're you're like yeah. so focused, and it's it's so you have to be so uh, so focused, and then it gets you know you have to be really fast. It's really you know it can be really twitchy. So um, having having games like you know, slower, or more relaxed multiplayer games like uh, like Splatoon or Minecraft or or Fortnite, I, I appreciate a different change of pace <laughs> yeah but that's yeah those have been the, the kind of the main ones i've been i've okay. been playing yeah thanks Ernest. that's cool yeah, yeah fortnite do you do you buy the uh character packs at all or you just play the yeah I, <laughs> I yeah admittedly yeah I'll, uh i, I yeah I, I always do get the battle pass and then i will buy some of the, the character skins uh Especially like the collabs, I like you know if it's something that I like. Um, what, what has been one of your favorite collabs? Would you say or like costumes um, or like skins? I I think uh, in terms of like collab events, I think the Dragon Ball one was really cool. Oh yeah, nice. So they had a a lot of like drag. They had created like a Dragon Ball map, and they had a different Dragon Ball power items that granted you Dragon Ball power. So that was a really cool one. Another one would be you know, Spider-Man having the web slinging function and and having how well that worked. That was really fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a fun traversal mechanism. Um, recently, they did uh, they have they added Futurama uh, collab and and skins. So um, really big fan of that show. So that's that's cool to see. Um, yeah, they I I think more than any other game just the number of collabs they've had and and uh cross franchise um collabs and 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 skins and stuff it's it's kind of mind-blowing to see that (laughs) yeah i i'm always impressed with the collabs they have especially like the anime ones and yeah really cool like they Mm -hmm. had the attack on titan and right uh dragon ball one and yeah yeah and and the latest uh 
the one that's been the leaked and rumored is uh the next anime collab is going to be Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh really? Oh, yeah, that's okay. a, that's cool. a, that's a, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. Big one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah seeing those memes or like of like um, Naruto or Sasuke <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed those. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. Okay, that's awesome. Um, is there any collab you'd like to see for um for Fortnite? Like a, a special oh, collab? Man. I mean one of my mo- one of my recent uh some of my recent favorite anime would be cool to see. So uh Spy Family I love a lot. Um and then uh I think another fitting one, because it the anime already has guns would be licorice recoil <laughs> kojima's oh. kojima's favorite anime <laughs> um yeah oh, i think that would like be another t-shirt. one yeah yeah he, he's he, <laughs> yeah so um yeah i think that one would be a real good fit as well nice that'd be awesome i would like to see some final fantasy collapse like uh oh, yeah. or something. <laughs> right yeah that would clive. Be cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. clive with the gun mm-hmm. <laughs> that'd be quite hilarious but yeah yeah, could be possible, but we'll see. Oh yeah, but yeah, thanks for that. Thanks yeah. for that, Ernest. And okay, we're gonna move on to the questions. Yeah, so if you want, um, you can write into the show to ask questions. Just leave a comment with a question, and hopefully, uh, I'll pick one or two that can get into the show. Um, so this week's question, um, I put out a tweet asking for questions on Twitter. Our first question is from Samuel Darmento, and on Twitter. That's Samuel Darmento. And he asks, why aren't Japanese people more excited about PlayStation 5? Uh, so, Ernest, I'd like to ask you, as you are the resident PlayStation expert, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to ask you this question. Um, why aren't Japanese people more excited about PlayStation 5, in your opinion? I think one reason goes back to what we discussed earlier with when we we're talking about Project Q is sort of the the home setup in a lot of Japanese homes. You know, a, a home console uh, requires not only space, but the, having a screen, having a, te- a, a TV or a monitor to play on. And, you know, a lot of homes only having one TV. So I think that's certainly a, a factor there. Uh, I think another one is, is the price. Um, it's certainly not a cheap console. Um, especially after it got the price hike. Um, it's it's a lot of money to spend, especially in the given economic climate. Um, you know, uh, inflation hasn't affected Japan as roughly as in other places like America and, and Europe, but it's still, we've definitely still seen a lot of cost of living things go up. Um, so having, you know, the the base disc uh ps5 being sixty thousand yen after taxes is a big it's a big investment when you know uh you can put that money towards towards other things and i think the other thing is um you know the there's so many other places to play games now you know uh back in like the ps1 ps2 era if you wanted to play video games yes you needed you needed a home console uh, if you wanted to play on your own and not in the arcade. Um, now there's just so many other places to play video games um, on tablets, on smartphones. You know, Japan has a huge scene, a huge market for mobile mobile games. Um, 
and those are really really popular and you see a ton of people playing those um and then on top of that you have the switch you know which is you're able to play again uh, a lot a lot more accessibly and more and more places than than a home console so um there's there's a lot of competition for for gaming attention and and places to play nowadays compared to to decades ago um so yeah it, it really it's i think those are some of the big big factors yeah totally yeah i'd, I'd also second that yeah japanese people they there's so much uh other things vying for their attention like mobile mm-hmm. games and like switch and yeah, there's so many more places to play games, yes, compared to the old days where you just had your PlayStation or Nintendo, and that was about right. it. Um, so, yeah, that totally makes sense. And, yeah, also the price, because, like, inflation is just, like, just, it came a bit later than the rest of the world, but it's hitting Japan now, and mm. um, most people's wages are really stagnant, because Japan, the wages have been stagnant since, like, the 80s or 90s. <laughs> so, right, um, yeah, it's a problem, yeah. yeah. It's a big problem. People can't afford uh, like a 60,000 yen console. So it's like about $600, like equivalent. Mm -hmm. If you are like living in America, uh, it would be feel it will feel like spending about $600 on Mm -hmm. a games console in times of inflation. It's a bit of a task ask for everyone to do. Um, So, yeah, I think that's, uh, as you said, that's one of the main reasons. Yeah. And also just like, yeah, also the games are not as there's not as many appealing games uh these days for compared to before yeah i think they need more like japanese centric games in general um but yeah we still have the big publishers uh putting stuff out from playstation 5 only um but yeah i think they just need more appealing software uh, to help the sales right yeah and i i think another factor would be just kind of the 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 lifestyle in japan um people you know a lot of people uh a lot of people are like really busy and it's it's much easier and uh more frictionless to hop into um, a mobile game or even a switch game to just pick up and play for a little while um than it is you know a a big blockbuster triple a you know home console uh, home console game um yeah you know even even uh even students are really busy. It seems like you know they've got a lot of homework and and cram school and extracurriculars, and then you know your your typical office job. And in Japan is really really busy and taxing as well. You know, it takes a lot of time. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's easier just to to hop into a mobile mobile game or switch game while you're commuting to and fro from work or places. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, um, I think this week we'll just have time for one question. Um, but please leave a comment in below if you have any questions for the next show. And hopefully we'll have more time to answer some more questions that you have. Um, so yeah, please write in and uh, ask some questions that we can answer at the end of the next show. Yeah, and Ernest, I was just wondering, like, uh, is there anything else you're looking forward to for the rest of this year in terms of games or events? I think for here in Japan, Tokyo Game Show is definitely a big one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes. that's that's always an exciting time. Um, I'm I'm glad that it's continued to to exist. It makes me sad to see E3 
uh, in the yeah. in the condition and how it's uh, kind of dead now, of, right? Almost. Yeah, um, and it makes me. Really, I really um, before when I was living in the U.S., I I went to E3 every year, and it really was just nice to have that big events, just this week long excitement and celebration of video games. Um, and now you don't have as much of that kind of concentrated excitement. You still get, you know, in the, during the summertime, you still get smaller, uh, smaller sort of game shows, but um, nothing quite on, on the scale and hype level that, that E3 was. So I'm glad to see that uh, Tokyo Game Show has has made it survived and made it through uh, the pandemic. So that's in terms of events, that's that's what I'm looking forward to, definitely. Um, and then for games, I think for the rest of the year, my most anticipated is gotta be Spider-Man Two. I loved oh, yeah. loved that first one. Um, you know, spent a lot of time um, playing through that, and even doing I think almost all of the the side quests just because of how much fun it was to to roam and traverse around the the world as spider-man so i think that's that's my most anticipated game uh from now until the end of the year oh that's awesome yeah oh yeah hopefully i can make it to tgs this year as well Oh, I'm mm-hmm. hoping to, and uh, yeah, uh, last year I got to meet you there as well, which was really nice. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for hanging cool. out. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, hopefully, this year I can attend uh, somehow. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's supposed to be much bigger than last year, this year, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it will be a bit crazy, but hopefully, uh, it'll be good. Okay, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Ernest. And uh, yep. So that's the end of the show for this very first episode of the Gamer Get podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any feedback or suggestions, um, please let me know and I'll try to make this a show that grows and involves with you, the audience. Uh, so please write in with any gaming or Japan questions that you have and we'll try to answer them in the next show. Don't forget you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash genkigamer. And uh, yep, any Patreon questions will definitely get answered in the next show. So thank you so much, Ernest, for being on the show today. Please let people know where they can find you. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot, you know, it's a lot of fun. It was exciting to talk about news and, and games and stuff. Uh, as for where people can find me um, on, on social media, I usually go by Ernsty Lin. So that's E-R-N-S-T-Y-L-I-N on you know twitter or i guess maybe it's called x now right uh instagram and so on so uh yeah thanks everybody for listening it was a lot of a lot of fun yeah thanks so much Ernest. yep go check out uh Ernest uh, on the socials thanks so much everyone and thanks for listening and i'll see you next time okay goodbye